This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 678, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week. This is episode 678. 
I'm Dave Mattingly. Nope, that's my NPR persona. Sorry. I'm Josh Flanagan, and this is Connor Kilpatrick, my co-host. Hey, Dave. I have a whole routine about Dave Mattingly that I do with my nine-year-old son that he thinks is hilarious. Hmm. And it's all about uh, dead bodies being found, where I just go, I'm Dave Mattingly. Many dead bodies found, because we listen to NPR in the morning on the way to school, and most of it is about dead people. And, is, is, and, is he your target audience for NPR humor? Currently, I so mean, then, I mean, yes. So you, so now you definitely know he's your kid. I, I had no doubt <laughs> at any point. Like, I've ha- I've had to go pick him up at daycare, and they're like, "Can I see your ID?" And I was like, "You fucking kidding me?" <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, this is a show. This is, I got off track there. Sorry. This could be an indication of how excited we were to talk about this week's comics. Continue. <laughs> we really are all over the place lately. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's up to the comics. It's their fault. It's not our fault. We don't put them out. This is our fanboy. Every week we talk about our stack of comics. Sometimes it takes more effort than others. Uh, <laughs> one of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book. Other books from the week, the patron pick. Uh, if we have time... Hint, hint. We'll read some listener mail. Uh, we will have fun regardless. Your spoiler warning is that in the small amount of books we were able to talk about this week, we will spoil them. So that's that's on you, kids. Sorry. Connor, you had the pick. I did. And so last week we talked about it was a light week and it wasn't that great of a week. And we really struggled to even fill the rundown. We, not, we normally like to talk about 10 books, uh, 10 or 11 books with the patron pick. And we had trouble this week. Same problem. Uh Similar problem. Not a lot of books. I think I had fewer books this week than last week. I thought on the whole they were better, but still, like, you know, there was, like, one or two standouts. So it was it was a very easy week for me to choose the pick of the week because the pick of the week was glaringly obvious after I read it. Mm-hmm. Because that – and it was a great issue. We'll get to it in one second. But the rest of the books, you know, were fine. We're good to fine. Two in a row is hard like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I agree. I threw a book in last second, Josh, that we hadn't talked about just to just to because I felt like we didn't have enough books to talk about. Okay, I see. I see that now. The pick of the week: Innovators Number Four, Chip Zdarsky, Carlos Magno, Butch Guise, Alex Guimarães, and Travis Lanham. And we've been talking about I think probably every issue of this series. We are streaky with creators, and right now we're all about Chip Zdarsky's serious mm-hmm. Marvel work and. You know, I've been waiting for this issue the whole time we've been doing this book, which is the secret, shocking origin of the Submariner. Love the Submariner. We've talked about that. And I knew once we had that issue, we'd get a lot of Butch Guise art, which I think has been the standout of this of this book. And so that's what we have here. A really excellent look at Namor's life since the war, which ties in Marvel history. It leads up to Fantastic Four number one and... Is it number one or number four? Number four, I think. Why do I keep saying one? It's yeah. four. It ties in the X-Men and all the terrible costumes he's had since the first one. And I think it's great. I, there was an issue that came out with Josh where you were gone and Ryan was on the show we talked about. And Ryan couldn't decide if they were trying to position Namor as having romantic feelings for the soldier. But I don't think that's the case. I think, I no, think, I I think it's, uh, it's, it's the, bo- the bonds of war. The, the, I, the Brotherhood yeah, of War. I, I think that would be a very bad move uh, on the part, and it would just be disingenuous. And I, and I think it is much more like what you're talking about, because that's sort of the story of the invaders is right. 
the, yeah, the bonds of war, the band of brothers, the, you know, the, the camaraderie, the lifelong, like no matter how evil he gets. And we keep seeing this in all of the evils relative, I guess. I mean, I guess it's all relative, but, uh, you know, every, every single time throughout Jason Aaron's run and all this recent stuff where like, he's always given cap the benefit of the doubt, for example, Mm -hmm. that's the underlying current. And I would think it would be the same with any soldier who he served with, regardless of who he fought or how he felt about it or whichever. So Yes. Which is, I agree. I mean, it's kind of funny when you think about it too hard, like anything in comics, you really can't think yes. about it too hard. But like, you know, these characters are always in a state of war. So why, why World War II? Because it's, it was real. You know, that's, that's kind of the conceit you have to make with these characters. But mm. um, so here uh, we continue the investigation. Uh, Bucky's undercover trying to stop Namor's army from getting s- some equipment that will help them. Uh, create bombs to attack the surface world while Cap and Jim Hammond, the human torch, who really doesn't doesn't need a torch logo on his costume. I feel like it's implied in in the in the red suit and the way he turns into flame. But I agree uh, with you. It seems like overkill. So they're investigating Namor's past, trying to figure out why why he's always showing up with this family, and uh, so finally the daughter of his. Uh, their 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 I was gonna say teammate, but their their soldier buddy from the invaders tells the story of Namor coming in and out of their life for the last however many you know decades. And uh, mm-hmm. the flashback art's terrific; it's really terrific. You know, Butch Geis, Geis we don't, I don't know how to say his name. It's Geis. <laughs> Butch Geis is a guy who's been around forever. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine he's in his at best late fifties early 60s he's been around my almost my entire comic reading life he wasn't always butch right he had another yeah butch is his nickname i know but like he was professionally known by a jackson guys yes yes born in 1961 so that would make him make him 59 right so right i got it right the bullseye nailed it can't say his name but no Nail his age. <laughs> I can estimate his age based on almost nothing. Well, based on his comic career, he's been around. He's been around for decades, and he still has. He still really has it. I mean, he's really. He's a really he terrific artist. Which um, is good because I'm not entirely convinced that Carlos Magno does. Carlos Magno comes and goes. There's some yes, things he does I really think are great, and some things I don't love. I mean, if Butch Geist did this whole this whole book, it would be terrific. But I also think the way that he it breaks up the flashbacks of the present day really works. So that I don't remember when. I mean, was it did that originate with Cap with Ed Brubaker's Captain? Not originate, but it became re- contemporarily popularized. Well, it's a thing, uh, right? That we talked about it last week with uh, some book that had flashbacks. Oh, uh, the Red Sonia, the other pick of the week had had Bob yep. Q doing the flashbacks. Yeah. And, Captain America with Steve Epting doing the present day and Michael Lark doing the World War II flashbacks. So it really, it really worked to create a different mood. And was it and Brubaker before that, or no? Was it concurrently Brubaker and Fraction? Their um, Iron Fist. I think the flashbacks were someone else too. I mean, like that was yeah. These things have definitely happened in the past, but they're they're, they're very common now. It's a it's yeah. a good way to give your main artists some breathing room, especially if they're an artist who can't. We really hit that schedule, like in Iron Fist's case, David Aja was the yeah. main artist, so it's a good way to give him um, some pages break. Oh yeah, they brought in like lots of different artists. I remember because like Russ Heath did one of the things, and like they right, yeah. It's a gimmick that can really work for the story. Yes, and it's yeah, also uh, it's also not just a gimmick, but it's necessary in some cases. It's a tool that you need to get the comic done on time. Yeah. 
so we you know we learned that you know Namor's been visiting his war buddies since since he, you know they've been back from the war and he had a little he had a kid so he came by to visit the kid and he sort of helped raise the kid an official uncle helped take, you know took her to the hospital when she was having her baby and and flew her to the hospital which is a great way to get there and then uh, you know came back throughout t- helped raise her son threw the football with them can't really picture. They weren't throwing the football, but he had, he, had, he had amnesia at the time, I'm pretty sure. So yeah. That's okay. What I, what I think is interesting is that with a lot of characters, I think that you and I have we've, we've certainly frequently uh, expressed displeasure uh, with going back and filling in gaps of things. Mm-hmm. However, for whatever reason, it seems to work with Namor because we don't really know a lot about him. He's a lot of bluster. There's an idea like if there is a hidden life to this guy and, you know, he's he's complex enough that it, it sort of works. It also isn't, isn't it isn't a retconning. Right. So much. Yeah, no, exactly. It's more like here is this side family he had. Um and then we I mean, no, it's no secret he's a mutant, so Charles Xavier shows up and he wants Namor to help him find other mutants. It's very early in Charles Xavier's tenure. He, there's no X Men yet at this point even. And uh-huh. that's not out of the realm because again, we know he's a mutant. He's he's Marvel's first mutant. You know, he was created way back in the thirties. So it makes sense that from a comic history perspective, he's the first mutant that Xavier goes to. So mm-hmm. that makes sense. That works. And then, you know, we know he has to have amnesia because that's how he shows up in Fantastic Four. So, you know, it all sort of, it's one of those times where they thread everything together in a way that isn't annoying because it's not really any major revelations. It's more like just character building. Like here, he was doing this stuff. Mostly he was hanging out with his family uh, because he, it was his best friend from the war. It really worked emotionally. Further question for you. Mm-hmm. He flies pregnant lady to the hospital. Now, already, we all we have to swallow a lot of disbelief when we're going with the ankle wings. <laughs> right. You'll note in that shot, uh, he has pants on and boots. So are, are the ankle wings merely ornament? Well, <laughs> that's a good question. I mean, I mean, physics-wise, they didn't have a hope. But now... They're suggesting, perhaps uh, in a better explanation, um, that 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 they have nothing to do with anything. They're 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 simply flare. <laughs> Which is funny because other times you can see them sticking out of his pants. Oh yeah, at the bottom. Look at that. I see that. So maybe they just under the pants, really working hard. Maybe he's not wearing socks. You know what Namor can do? Anything. Namor can sit in a chair, put his pelvics. Pelvis forward, <laughs> spread his legs out, and only be wearing little man panties. Yeah. And it's okay. As arrogant as you want. Yep, yep. Yeah. You don't want to be on the subway next to him. I know that much. <laughs> no. Not only would he do that, but he would put his bag on the seat. And if you gave him a glare about it, he'd hit you. So I was really enjoying the issue. And then I thought, you know, this is, prob- this is probably the pick. So at that point, it was the best thing I read. And it continued to be. But then it got to the end and the cliffhanger in the present day in which... It's revealed that the, the kid, the son that he helped raise, the, the grandson of his war buddy, is uh, an officer. Uh, he's a commander on a ship in the Navy, and he is working with Namor. So he's a traitor. He's a spy. He's a double agent. So that was a, that was a good twist. That, yep. means, that means when it finally comes to a head, it's going to get real emotional. So I, I thought this issue, top to bottom, was good. It was mostly Butch Geisart. It was a little, you know, Carlos Magnus stuff was okay. It's been good I before. dig his cover a lot on this one. I think yeah. I said that when we were talking about the last issue. I was like, oh, it's good. I mean, Winter Soldier looks like he has kind of a page boy cut on page 22, but, you know, 
don't know not much you can do about that. You know, it's an Invaders comic. What do you want from that? Right. I mean, it, it, this is really, really good. And I, it's, it's this is the kind of stuff you want. I mean, these guys aren't really going to team up and fight evil together because their their relationship's no. too complicated, and one of them is a supervillain, basically. So, it is these stories are all about the complex history of the characters and how that plays out today, and it really works. I mean, these books never last that long because there's only, no, only no. old men like you and me who really like these stories. Yeah, and there's not a lot of us. After James Robinson went and got another job, I think Marvel was just like, I guess that's it for these characters. And then, then Chip Zdarsky was like, I'd like to try it. And they were like, oh, okay. Give it a shot again, I guess. It's a great Butch Guys cover, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And, I love it. And they just show, and there, was, there was some discussion about this on our Facebook page. Not the Patreon page, but the Facebook page. When you, when you have all of, the, all of the Namor costumes together on the cover, it really goes to show how bad the new one is. People are sick of that. But this one's bad. The cover for the next issue really makes it look bad. After you've been looking at him in his man panties. I mean, even just... the other ones are preferable, too. They're not great. I don't love the X-Men one, the second one on the left. Uh-huh. But I, I kinda, I'm okay with the Wings one, the one he wore a while ago. Sure. It just really goes to show how kind of like angry 90s the current costume is. Who designed that? Was that designed over at... Oh, it was Zed McGinnis. Was Theoretically. It? I mean, that's where he first showed up with it. Hmm. Recently, look, the nineties are the nineties are back. We all know this, fashion-wise, uh, clothing. Uh, not clothing. That's also fashion. Uh, TV, Friends is the most popular sh- thing on Netflix. Like, we get it. It doesn't mean you need to bring it back to the comics. It was a dark time, for the most part. Yeah, but they said we we made a lot of money then. Maybe if we just <laughs> do it a little differently this time, it, it'll come out better. Well, we're eight years into this nineties resurgence in the comics. It's not working. Aesthetically, no, it isn't. It's, it's a bloodbath over a DC. Sales have never been worse. So <laughs> let's uh, rethink this. Pull up. <laughs> I mean, that was the pick. It was the easy pick. There were other good books this week, like I said, but like I read Invaders fairly early on, and it was one of those books where every time I finished one, I was like, "Not as good as Invaders." I feel like it's it's an easy pick for you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it would have been mine. It might have been. But I don't know that it's completely obvious to like people who are not old men like us. It's also my pick, so it gets to be my, my easy pick. I know, and, I, and I, I'm fine with that. I think I'm just – I think most of the people listening now understand. <laughs> but there's been a lot of time where they didn't. Not they. Not the collective they. So I'm very curious to know what you thought of Batman 68. Tom King, Amanda Connor, John Timms, Michael Jan was in there, Dan Panosian. Yeah. Um, I went, I went back and forth on this. I did too. Having forgotten that we were still in the dream state, which we've now been in for three years. Like I, I, I liked the art mm-hmm. uh, of Amanda Connor specifically. I was like, oh, look at that. Amanda Connor did a, a good chunk of this, but it seemed a little like fan fiction for a while. It's bizarre because we basically did this story, exactly this story already. Yeah, but this was even more out there. Well, because it, it is the hallucinations. It's a little more extreme. Yeah, no. It, once I remembered that, then I was like, okay, that kind of excuses it. But, like, you know, there's bits of it that were just weird. Like, it was a real stretch. You know, that was the, the the stripper Superman bots, the 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 ecstasy hot tub, the, right. like, the complete awkwardness of Clark and, and, and Bruce. I kind of right. didn't buy. But 
you know, like basically there's then there's that page. It's page twenty, you know, where where Clark finally starts to talk to him, which would have happened earlier in real, you know, but it's not real, so it's fine. Right. And he's like, and that's why she left you on the rooftop. And I went, oh, okay, good. And then sort of the last page reveal is fine. I think it was kind of fun. I think it took up too much time to get there. I don't know that it was a whole issue's worth of stuff. Right. I mean, this this has to be the last issue because this is the first time we've seen Batman hooked up to the dream machine or whatever he's in. So this has got to be it. Yeah. So randomly saw on Twitter that Mitch Jarrett's revealed how this issue came to be. I don't know if you saw that or not. No. But basically they were at a convention and Amanda Connor walked past and Tom King yelled out to her, hey, do you want to do Batman? She said, I would have loved to have done the Bachelorette issue. And he said, okay. It sounds mm-hmm. like this issue was written specifically so that Amanda Connor would draw it. I mean, it's a retread of those terrific issues from previously in which yeah. the two couples hang out before the wedding. And it's fine. That's really They're really fun. But like, okay, we just, I mean, we did it. Right. And also I thought, what the other real genuine thought I had during this was like, I love Amanda Connor's art, Connor's art and I think she's great. But I was like, what if we don't use her for this kind of thing? What if we just let her draw comics? But this is what she wanted to do. And, and I understand that. And I, I assume that at this point she actually has enough power to make those kind of choices. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of like, you know, it's like, hey, Adam Hughes, why don't you draw comics instead of just commissions? You know, like like that, which mm-hmm. he's done a little bit recently. It's just like I feel like it'd be cool to see her just do some good comic. Like she did um, with Before Watchmen, you know, like right. just straight up, like let her really draw some stuff as as opposed to the – you know, the cute, funny stuff, which I guess if that's what she wants to do, that's fine. But she's, you know, there's much more more on offer there, I think. It got better at the end, like you said, when they sort of revealed the dark side of it. Yes. They changed the artist to John Timms, and the art was rougher and sketchier when the mood changed from the party atmosphere. And that part worked. So, the, again, the artist change here really served the story. It just was weird. Like, again, Tom King writes funny scenes. And sure. I, I enjoy them. But, like... I was halfway through this, and I was like, didn't, didn't, I mean, I know we're in a dream, but we just, we just did this. And the hard thing about just doing it was those were like, were like amongst the most acclaimed issues of his run so far. Sure. Yeah. Even with this terrific Amanda Connor art, it, you come back less than, because it's not going to live up to those three issues or whatever it was that they did. Yeah, you're right. And I, and I, I just, I think it's clear, like with this, however many months we've been, you know, actually it's been what? maybe six issues it's only three months but it's just a lot of content we've been in this dream sequence yeah which for for me is challenging um and there's been good stuff in there like oh okay i can totally get behind you know the the craft that was in those things but also i want to move the plot forward and i don't feel like i'm moving the plot forward we're just still exploring what already happened and psychologically, like, I don't think there's anybody reading this who, now who does not understand what happened and does not understand those characters' feelings on things. Mm-hmm. Like, we get it. We, we get it. We, yeah. we knew when who, whoever, you know, when, whenever a character dies, they spend, you know, however long mourning with Batman. It happens all, all too often, you know, and after, you, you know, I don't like to do that. This is the same thing. It's why did the relationship die? It's, you know, we got it. We've been in here a long time now. Maybe not. I don't even know calendar-wise how long. But well, it's it got to like- been three months. Six issues. The wedding issue? Six issues every other week for six issues. Mm-hmm. Is that well, three months? Well, Catwoman just – what was Catwoman? Number 10. Number maybe? 10? Maybe. So that's monthly. That's not every two weeks. So Is it monthly? It's not every two know. weeks. I don't know. <laughs> it may not have been 10. That means that the wedding issue uh, yeah, was, it was number five 10. to Weird. 10 months ago. Hmm. 
So that's how long we've been – we're still dealing with this like emotional fallout, which in real life makes sense. In superhero terms, get on with it. Yeah, I mean when Jason died, they didn't even spend a year until they uh, got Tim in there. Yeah. So you got to move quick. Got to get over things. That was a different time though. Yeah. It was the 80s. It was cocaine. Didn't matter. <laughs> so did you check out Fair Lady number one from Image Comics? I did. Brian I did. Shermerer, Claudia Balboni. Great name. Much like the <laughs> Yankees 80s slugger Steve Balboni. Who looked like my dad. First baseball player who looked like my dad. It was upsetting. Anyway, sorry. The name brings me <laughs> yeah, back every time. you? <laughs> so this is... Initially, I, I, I just grabbed it because it was a number one. And then I, I was like, well, I'll see if I like it. And I got a couple pages into it and I thought, oh, this is one of those like other world that has yeah, cat people and a whole system that we have to understand. And I, I said, I've just I've read so many of these. However, uh, I thought it was really done well. It was interesting, basically. Like it, The it, pitch got me. It, you know, the pitch is basically P.I. in a fantasy world. And each issue was going to be a case, a full case. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. So, And I didn't—I actually didn't get that. I didn't read the pitch. I didn't get that until the end. And then at the end, I sort of realized what it was. And I was like, oh, cool. I, I like that. You know. I think I got the, I mean, the pitch is in the first page in that little text explainer. So, like, I, I downloaded the issues. It looked interesting. And then I read the first page. I'm like, okay. So, I'll, I'll read it. And then I didn't think the execution was that great. The art is not there yet. I mean, it's, it's not it's, bad. It's close. It's not bad, but it's it's, it's a little flat and uninteresting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one page where the bad guy is sitting in a chair with his leg crossed, and his leg is totally not attached to his hip. It just page so seventeen, bad. stuff like that. I mean, it's just it's going to get there. It's just it's, just, it's you can you know it's a new artist. And there's a part where yep. the main character just punched somebody, and it just doesn't look like it. I think most of all, though, it just felt like a very unsatisfying story. You know, like yeah. if you're gonna have a mystery, in this issue, she's fine. She's looking for a missing woman who stole money from a crime boss, like a basic midnight run kind of thing. She's an accountant just who stole money, and she finds the girl eventually. But you don't find anything else out, like why or what the point was. Mm-hmm. So that's you know, it's a mystery. You ask a bunch of questions, and you have to answer them at the end. And it's just kind of like finding her isn't necessarily enough. If we're just going to do these one-offs. I agree with all of those things that you just said. The other side of it, though, is that I have read a lot of these kind of books from Image, from Dark Horse, from whatever, mm-hmm. where, you know, it's this kind of world. There's this and, – and, and they're completely unmemorable. They didn't stick with me. I've stopped reading some of them halfway through. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, I did finish this. And I think there was something to it that I found interesting. There was either the voice or I really like that um that full page thing of sort of their community on the you know well, the, I like I actually like the world thing. yeah that, the, the yeah their tower is built in the carcass of a fallen giant robot. It's cool, like a celestial kind of thing. Yeah, the obligatory essay at the back from the writer. You know, it's a the pitch was basically Magnum PI in the post. War for the Rings world. Like, yep. what happens after the Lady giant... Magnum P.I. Yeah, what happens after the giant battle? Mm-hmm. What's the world like? And there's a P.I. in it, and she's a former soldier. And I, The world's good. I like the world. I just mm-hmm. was, was a little bummed out. But I'm going to try the second one, because I like... I, I thought that there's a lot of good bones. Right. This is, this is the point. So, yeah. like, you know, beginner... 
beginner first issue pilot, but something. Right. You know, which which is saying something in this world with us as readers. Yes. So it, it, it's not a bad review. It's it's you know, there's something there. I mean, she's got a giant cat sidekick. Sure. I mean, and like that's the thing. Like I've seen that in fifty books, right? right. You know, like half her head shaved off. And he's got an attitude, and someone yeah. says the wrong thing, so he kicks his butt. Like, yeah, I've got it. I've seen it. He, he's a Wookiee. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I liked it. I mean, it was, it was, it was like a solid three star book for me. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. You know, there's maybe it'll get better. Maybe. But if you like that kind of thing, I like the coloring. Thought the coloring by Marissa Louise was pretty good. It's a nice looking book. Now we've got one issue of Avengers No Road Home number nine. By the way, small aside, there is a legacy number attached to this, which I refuse to acknowledge. <laughs> it's, I, a, it's, the, it's the most, I, mean, I know we've mentioned it a bunch of times in the show, but yeah. it's the most perplexing thing I've ever seen out of comics. And that is saying a lot. From now on, I'm just going to subtract 10 right. from every Avengers. Right. Legacy so when number. Avengers 1000 comes out, it's actually Avengers 990. Mm-hmm. You can't 100%. just slap random numbers in other books. You can't do it. Okay, let's 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 put that aside. <laughs> Especially when there's, when there's another Avengers book coming out simultaneously. You can't do that. <laughs> we have to. Did they do that? Like, did they go back and like retroactively add like Peter Parker, Spider Man, and and Web of Spider Man? I'm sure. I'm sure. Spectacular Spider Man. It doesn't work that way, guys. It doesn't work that way. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about the book, though. Okay. <laughs> We've, this is the ninth issue, the penultimate issue of this this mini series. Is, is it still holding up for you? Are you are you enjoying it? It's all right. I mean, I look back at the first issue, which was Pick of the Week, and that was sort of the issue that happened before the plot kicked off. Mm-hmm. And the plot has been like kind of, you know, fine. So yeah. the part I liked the best was the characters interacting before the plot started, which happened at the end of that issue. You know, and then they all kind of separated. So like, right. Yeah. This I, character I, Nix, you know, an old god has it's it's basically you know, hunt for the broadcast energy transmitter. There are, all the pieces are all over is. the all over the universe and they're all in the teams finding the trying to find the, the shards before she does and they're to various degrees of success and it's, it sort of seems like because it's tied into Hercules' past and all the old Greek gods that this is all about his he says it. He even says it here. He wants to be a better hero. He doesn't just want to be the guy you you have a beer with. He wants to be. He wants to live up to his name, even though he's got a man bun. So that's the first step is to undo that. <laughs> what What would Zeus say? You know, there's there's good things that happen. I don't understand the point of Conan being here other than to give the motivational speech, which is terrific. But which you know, he sort of really he really goes with suddenly being thousands of years in the future with. Water off the back. No problem. I, you know what? I buy that out of Conan, quite honestly. <laughs> okay. Uh, like, he's not going to be like, oh, my God, what are those things on your shoes? Those are laces. Wow. <laughs> I agree with the things that you've said. The villain, whatever. Yeah, the it's villain's a dream. Unmemorable, yeah. I think they're, because the writers involved with this are, are fairly uh, experienced, uh, I think there's a lot of good character stuff that's happening in here. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. Like I'm in, I'm liking, you know, the vision, and I'm liking Rocket, and I'm liking Hercules, and you know, I'm hoping to get some sort of resolution with the Hawkeye Hulk thing because that was sort of the big promise. Yeah, I mean, they, they did have a confrontation about it. it were fairly early on. It was like issue three or something. They talked. They had a con- in the hospital, so I don't know. That may have been resolved to their liking already. I mean, the best part of this issue was 
that weird green creature. I don't know yeah, what it was. Yeah, the, the planet. It was like the spirit of the planet. I thought that was interesting. Going through all the characters and asking them what they really want deep in their heart. And that was really good. Yeah. Hawkeye just yeah, wanted one perfect shot. I think it was the best of the more recent issues. Yes. Because I was losing steam. And so I thought, okay, that's, you know, we're coming. And, and also, like, eh, it's just short of, of, of overstaying its welcome. You know what I mean? I think the last one they did of these, the last weekly Avengers thing they did with this group was longer than 10. I think it might have been... T- like something crazy, like 24. I could that be wrong. Was, you read that. I, didn't I did read that. Read so read 10, 10 feels good. Yeah, I think so. I wish I wish the villain it, was stronger. Yeah, yeah. Also, it's because it's 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 NYX. Right. I, I always pronounce it NYX because that was like, a, it was a Brian Wood series, wasn't it? It was a Brian Wood series. And so I keep reading it. Hip NYX. Young X-Men in New York or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Josh is spicy today. Well, you know, how much hip young it never works. It's always dumb. That's not true. Runaways worked. <laughs> if you want more of this, and why wouldn't you? Listen, you it's not our fault. We don't make the books. When we the books are great, there. it's all a love fest. People complain that it's a love fest. So sometimes you're going to get the, the vinegar. We came in with, with Dave Mattingly humor. <laughs> I, I mean, what else do you want? I'm David Green in Los Angeles. <laughs> I can I can do that all day. If you like this, you're thinking, you know what? I need more of this and I need to make sure it doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, then patreon.com slash ifanboys, the place that you need to go. That is where you can support the show directly. That's, you know, you, you, you toss a little something our way. Say, you, I appreciate the thing you're doing. I want it to keep going. I want to make that easier for, for you guys to continue this this job. And uh, that's how you can do it. There's different tiers that you can uh, you can be part of it. You can you can you've already helped bring back these these special edition shows that we're doing. And there's more. The next stretch goal is another special edition monthly comic non comics media podcast that that you would hear every month. Just just it would just it would exist where it had not existed before. Plus, uh, we will be properly motivated to uh, put all the rest of the uh, video shows and minis up on our YouTube channel and get them all back on the website so that the full extent of us sitting on a couch in shorts can be experienced by you. <laughs> you know, that was a mistake. We needed a producer. Yeah. That's a problem. Uh, we should have known we should have known better. It was it was very hot sometimes true, though, true. in our defense. You can go to ifanboy.threadless.com and you can find any of our, our current seven designs over there. Uh, there. there's still some good ones. Every time I look over the list, I'm like, oh, that's good. I need one of those. I'm very happy I have a G Dot shirt. I wear it with pride. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I don't see how you couldn't. <laughs> you can go to iphone.com slash support where you can find a place to do direct donations uh, via PayPal if none of that stuff works for you, uh, but you still want to help out. Or you can go over to iphoneboy.com slash Amazon where you will find a general link to Amazon for your, your purchasings. And you will also find links to buy the books that we talk about on Booksplodes, including the most recent one, uh, the JLA something, Essentials Editions, the Grant Morrison, Howard Porter. It was good. Yep. And then we link the Pick of the Week books also. Uh, as well. So thank you to everybody who does that. Um, if you've been thinking about it, let us know what we can do to, to make it more worth it for you. Maybe you're like, listen, I'm getting it for free already, pal, and I don't want to help out. You know, that's fine. Maybe right. you're some kind of socialist. I don't Why know. buy the cow when you get the milk for free is what they always used to say I can't, in the old I world. I can't argue with that. But in this economy, uh, in this kind of entertainment world that we live in now, things work a little differently than they used to, and they depend largely on your altruism. Milk prices go up. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that works in the context of the analogy well if nobody's buying milk and there's just it's a it's a free milk market <laughs> then eventually you're going to get a milk shortage i'm curious because you haven't read wonder twins since the first issue because you missed issue two by some for some reason i have to 
You no, read no, it. I, no, I, you read I, it after the show. You hadn't read it. But when we I know. I just missed that one, and then I caught up. So I read three. Right. So I'm Good. curious what you think because we haven't talked about two or three yet. This is three. What is the malingerer's power? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. The whole time I was trying to figure it out. It's fun. I like it. It reminds me very much of uh, like uh, Garth and his Hitman era takes on superheroes. This has got to be like a six issue miniseries, right? I don't see how it. I mean, can they go haven't they haven't that. said it, but it's got to be. I don't yeah, know. I mean, like it's got all the things where it's it's funny, it's irreverent, and he does his funny. Unlike Garth Ennis, is there's this is like PG rated humor for the most part, which and I think there's is love, it. whereas Garth Ennis is clearly hate. No, actually, the, I was gonna say like Garth Ennis' stuff underneath all that. A lot of times there is heart, and I thought that well was in hard. general, but he doesn't like superheroes, so there's always. I mean, it's true. The piss take on but, superheroes is actually a piss take, whereas this is like this is just goofy. Yeah, but there's still been bits where, like, you know, Tommy Monahan up on a roof having a conversation with Superman, like, yeah, I get it. Right. Like, that's happened. And that Superman is in here, too. And then there's real moral dilemma. You know, there's the the father who has to work for Lex Luthor, you know, and he's a super genius. And, you know, that's that's actual drama. Right. The, the characters of the Wonder Twins are sort of, you know, they're just there to be silly. Certainly Zan. Is mm-hmm. that him? <laughs> Zan and Jaina, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, and she's sort of got a real story going on. It's fun. Like, it's... it's. I would not have pegged Lex for such a big Little House in the Prairie fan. Yeah, and also, is it... He also referenced the Waltons, maybe? No, no, it was Little House in the Prairie. Right, I know, but he said one reference that was wrong. Oh, no, that was a reference to uh, Gunsmoke? Oh, yeah, Hoss. Was it Gunsmoke? Maybe, but it doesn't matter. It's another. It's Either another. way, Michael Landon was on both shows. He referenced just different Michael Landon oh. shows. I'm not surprised that Mark Russell understands those shows. <laughs> uh, the Ponderosa. What show was that? Is that Gunsmoke? No. You're more versed in these. I'm than losing it in my old age. I would have been able to tell you all about it once in my life. It's fun, and the Stephen Byrne art, who does the full art job, is great. Yeah, no, it really is. It's got one of my favorite things to do in comics is when uh, Philo Math. Uh, is frustrated and he puts his head in his hands and so when you see him like sitting at the table like oh i'm surrounded by idiots i, I, I always like that move i've written that move into like every comic i've ever written because i think it's funny like the like the rubbing of the temples right oh um, it always makes me laugh really though what does the malingerer do he's in a white sort of jumpsuit that has a red cross on it and that he also has one of those neck braces and i don't I don't think I realized that the that amphetamine was just an evil Mary Poppins. Uh-huh. Until she got yep. to do her song this week. I was like, oh. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. And then also let's not let's not discount the uh the story of Gleek's origin. Listen, it's it's a fun book. It's a really fun book. It is a fun book. I wasn't gonna talk about the effects of comics, but you put it on the lists. Did I put it on the list? Yeah, you did, yeah. Alright. I read it. Mm-hmm. Almost just because I had read 1000, I was like, oh, right, this is the next story. But if you remember, didn't really like 1000 and not super into this creative team, but I, I read it anyway. And um, has this been done before, this Night of Gotham? Is this. This particular thing, I don't believe so, but the idea, it's just another secret society in Gotham. Possibly. Isn't that what John Paul Valley was? It was in the Order of St. Dumas, and I don't know if uh, that was a different okay. sort of kind of thing. The bit so basically the beginning the bats are dead everywhere. Yeah, that was and cool. Gordon finds them all, and then you know, and Batman is he's he's dissected fifty six bats, and I thought that's a cool idea. I don't think I've ever seen that in this. 
mean, it's a great symbolism. It's yeah. you know, and then going, then taking that one further to go go see um, Man Bat, and then his I don't know is that his assistant, his, his daughter wife. who is also wife. his wife. Okay, mm-hmm. so she's also got it too. Like I, I was some like, I think that Pete Tomasi might be sort of like the dance lot of DC. He's a very good Batman writer historically. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's one of those guys you just you slot him in. He can do however. <laughs> see, there you go. Yeah. By the way, that was not a that was not a knock on Dan Slot or Tom no, no. I'm just it's I not. didn't mean to make the, the pun yeah, no. by slot him in. I got gotcha. you. He has written very very good Batman stories. And he's written very sort of average Batman stories, and he's yeah. He's like you know sort of utility guy. You need a Batman writer for eight months, he'll do it, and he'll do a good job. I don't know if I need another Secret Society. It seems like to be all you Batman don't. fights these days. Don't. He only seems to fight Secret Societies. I did like the Brad Walker choice as I was, artist. I was going to make that. He's kind of weird. Yeah, I think I know him originally from the the Guardians of the Galaxy comics a while back, hmm. and I'll see him pop up now and then. And and it's funny because if you look this book, this book's super light. I guess I guess they uh, they light a sun up over Gotham, so that makes sense. But you're still not used to seeing Batman like that, right? And it's kind of just fun, cartoony art. Actually, really, some stuff I really like. The faces are exaggerated a little bit. He has a yeah. very distinct style, and I, when I saw him, I was like, oh, that's interesting because he is kind of off. You know the beaten path, and but not yeah. fully indie. He's clearly a superhero artist, but he's on the spectrum. You know, a little bit to the left. It's funny, like on other book, I don't think it would even stand out, but on this, on a Batman book, it kind of did. I was like, oh, they don't, they don't go this direction very often. So I'm not super psyched about another secret society, but the opening was interesting about killing all the bats and yeah. in the Gotham, and in the, you know that was interesting. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm, but, I will probably keep reading it. But this is like the third one I can think of at the top of my head that's happened in the last like five years. Oh, sure. Which yeah, is no, a lot not. considering each arc takes a half a year. Or Are you even counting the, the magician one from Detective 1000? No, I'm, I'm counting like the, the one detective that was run by, uh, was it uh, Batwoman's father, that, that one that they thought killed Tib Drake and obviously the Court of Owls. And, you know, there's, there's just like, it just seems like he's constantly being attacked by these shadowy military type groups there sure are friendly neighborhood spider-man number four tom taylor ildre sinar ildre ildre i think you got an extra eye in there i could have an extra eye. aunt may has cancer really yeah i don't have an extra eye that's how many eyes he has okay why does aunt may have cancer oh they gotta do something they just did that. I, I know. That's, that was one of the bizarre things. I feel like we did, she was just sick. I, not even her. I just mean like Jane Foster. We just went through the whole thing and then she was in remission. So as far as like major Marvel I'm, events. I'm fairly certain in the last – it's hard to say in the last because we've been doing this for so long. But at some point – I don't know if it was when Dan Slott was doing it or not. But at some point Aunt May was sick. But all things happen, happen again. But I want to point out because it is a good – it actually is a good Spider-Man book. And in a week when – Amazing Spider-Man came out, and it's getting gets all the attention, rightly so, because it's terrific. This book's also really fun. It's a it's a different, lighter. It's a it's not as quite as heavy as Amazing Spider-Man is. This is more of a fun adventure book. It's not. It's not really because you just told me that Aunt May had cancer. Well, they but they that, the <laughs> first three issues were like that, and then the beginning of this issues issues like that. He's helping this kid who stole a car but didn't really steal a car. So there's the like the wacky adventure, to, and it kicks it off, and then. You know, you didn't get the hammer dropped on you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know mm-hmm. if that's been their point the whole time or not, or what or what they're doing. But it's been a really kind of goofy, but fun and interesting Spider-Man book up to this point. Well, I hope she feels better. <laughs> I do too. 
who else is going to make the wheat cakes? I also hope that it just sort of keeps itself confined over to this book and not amazing. Because I don't need that shit. There's got to be things to do besides make her sick. Yes, but it's the one thing that Peter can't protect her from. <laughs> oh, forever, all he's done is protect her from threats from supervillains and everything. But now it's the one thing he can't do anything about. And he's got responsibility. But does he have the power? Anyway, <laughs> I see that there's a Star Wars corner return this week. Oh, man. Good team. On Star Wars Age of Rebellion, Grand Moff Tarkin number one. Greg Pak on story and Mark Laming on art. You might remember Mark Laming as, as a guy. I think I remember him first from the uh, Planet of the Apes stuff uh, that, that Gabe Hardman and, and Karina Becco did. Mm-hmm. And he, he was the artist to follow up Gabe on that. And he, he shows up now and again on other stuff. Really, I think, pretty strong artist, sort of mm-hmm. in the vein of, of Hardman. I think it's a one shot uh, about Grand Moff Tarkin and the storyline is sort of the just before as they're blowing up Alderaan. And actually that one of the pages in here is the the interrogation, quote mm-hmm. unquote, of, of Leia where, you know, you're far too trusting, right. you know, that and they, they blow it up. And the idea behind it is that it takes 160. This is totally like a deep dive into into Star Wars stuff that explains things you might not need to, but it doesn't really affect anything. The idea being uh, when they fire the laser the, on on a planet to blow it up it's a very complicated procedure and it takes like 168 gunners you know the guys with mm, the helmets right mm-hmm. to do it and they run a test at some point and it doesn't go and that's because one of the gunners hesitated or one or more of them and so tarkin is trying to root out that hesitation from his ranks you know mm. and he's ruthless and everything so basically at the end of it he he ends up sending a bunch of dudes out the airlock but in the whole time, that's interspersed with sort of flashbacks of, of his hard scrabble upbringing where his where his uh, dad basically literally threw him to the wolves. So they're not wolves, but basically, like you know, whatever space creatures are on, they're like, fend for yourself, you know. And so that's how he got to be tough as nails, which was which was fine. It was fun. It's like the tales of. Books. I believe there's a uh, Grandma Tarkin novel. So I wonder if how that ties in. See, I'm 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 willing to read a comic book issue about it and have fun with that, but I, I don't know that I could commit to a novel because that could go wrong in all sorts of ways. And and he's he is by the way, Grand Moff Tarkin, one of my favorite characters from the first Star Wars movie. Oh yeah, for sure, hands down, bar none. He's my favorite moment in it. I mean, not the whole trilogy. My favorite moment in that first movie is you know. Vader's like, I don't know, what have we seen the last day of the Empire and soon, yeah. or the Rebellion, and yeah. soon we'll see the last day of the Republic. And and like, and Tarkin just gives him a side eye, like, whatever, dude. <laughs> it's great. It's 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 truly wonderful. Uh, and then there's there's anyway, there's one more scene where he takes all the gunners and he picks out the you know the lead gunner or whatever, and he's like, do you have any bruises on you, any scars, anything? He's like, well, I have one scar on my knee from playing some grav ball, and he's like, that's it. Tarkin rips off his shirt. He's jacked. <laughs> says, give this guy a vibro blade, and then he cuts him with his knife. <laughs> and they have like a fight, and he's like, if you survive, you can keep your position. It was very silly, and I liked that. Um, it was fun. That sounds terrible. It, no, it, it is terrible, but in the good way. All right. Well, those are the books we figured out we could talk about. <laughs> if you go to patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can become a patron, and any patron at any level can vote to add a book to the rundown this week. The overwhelming favorite was The War of the Realms, colon, Journey to Mystery Number 1, written by the McElroys, an art by Andre Lima Aru Rayo, Chris O'Halloran on colors, Clayton Cowles, the ever stalwart Clayton Cowles on letters. And uh, this is our first tie-in book to The War of the Realms. As we follow, let's see, Miles Morales, 
the stupid dog, Thory, which everyone seems to love but I hate, Kate Bishop, Wonder Man, Balder, and some other people on a, in a Winnebago as they're trying to keep a baby safe. What was that they were doing? At some point, Freya had a baby. Oh, that's right. Thor's, Thor and Loki and Balder's sister. Baby I don't remember. I don't remember where that came from, or why. Like, I, I, I don't think it was in Thor because I don't remember it, mm-hmm. and it's completely unnecessary. But I can put that aside. Oh, Deathlock too, like the young Deathlock. Yeah, Lock. but it's well. Basically, the idea is here is that Baldur's been in hell for a while. He's been away a long time. Maybe you don't know some things changed. <laughs> right. Um, and they send him. They send him to go get a shine box, <laughs> and he. They say, "Oh, get these people. We're going to protect the baby." And he thinks uh, I'll get this person, this person, this person, and they're all the old. He's thinking of the old versions of the characters, and it turns out that these are all the new versions of the characters. Although he should have been picturing old Hawkeye in the full-on costume. He's picturing at the point in that in that page where he's picturing the characters. Yeah, he pictures Deathlock and he pictures. Oh, there's also Doctor Strange or the Sorcerer Supreme, who is I guess not Stephen Strange. He ends up with some other dude. I've never heard of that character. I've been reading Doctor Strange for a good couple of years now. Right. Anyway, he he pictures Hawkeye, but he pictures Hawkeye and he pictures Deathlock and he mm-hmm. pictures Wonder Man who, in his all of his you know mid early '90s glory. Spider Man. I think he should be picturing. Costume talk. But anyway, that's not. It's I a agree with it's you. A minor because he pictures the correct Wonder Man, right? So I I think that that concept and a lot of this was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I I did enjoy reading it. I thought the art was particularly quirky enough in places, and and then sort of effective enough in other places. However, mm-hmm. there were things that were. I don't know who the the McElroys are. They are popular podcasters. They do a really popular. Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Okay, fine, fair enough. So there was fun stuff about it, but there were other things where I was like, they were clearly writing Peter Parker and not Miles Morales. Yeah, I mean, the voices were off on a lot of the characters. It, I mean, I had a fun time reading it, but like... Yes. The voices were I off. I take a step away. Yeah, it, it just, it didn't feel like these characters, and that's why I was a hard time identifying who they even were on the trip. It felt a little like one of my biggest problems with The Last Jedi, in which every scene had to have a joke. Every dramatic moment had to be punctured by a joke. I just wish they'd let it breathe without a joke on every page. Actually, you know what? You're right. If you go through it, like every page, this is not a bad way to write a comic. You know, every page is sort of its own thing. But every page is a punchline at the end of it. They're not yeah. necessarily always jokes. Most are. But other than that sort of second to last page, which leads into the punchline that is the last page, which mm-hmm. is Aries shows up. Yeah, every one of them is like that. You're right. It was exhausting. I was like, okay. But yeah. it was fun. It was a, you know, it's a wacky road trip in a Winnebago. With they're, they're fleeing. You know, it's basically yeah. they're being chased. You know, none of the characters get along. And you're right. If you told me this wasn't Miles Morales, I would believe you. Yeah, I, I thought did they draw the wrong costume because that sounds like a Peter Parker. But there were good ideas. Death Locket, which I don't understand. Death Lock, so I don't understand Death Locket. But whatever. That was from. I'm going to say Dennis Hopeless's Avengers Arena, maybe? Oh, or is maybe. it newer than that? She has a bunch of LMDs right. who she has parties with. And I was like, that's brilliant. You know, Kate Bishop is, I begrudgingly enjoy her sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think. I wish I, I wish she just wasn't called Hawkeye. Right. I think. Elizabeth is exactly the same. You know, I've liked her in, in stuff. Um, I haven't always liked the solo book she's been in. Just cause What if we call her Hawkeye and he gets called the Hawk? Ha, 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 ha.
I haven't even <laughs> talked about that, have I? A movie Hawkeye was bad enough, and then it's worse. And and now it's going to be a show because we need more of Jeremy Renner's lack of charisma. There was a moment. There was a moment in the second Avengers movie where I was like, he's kind of interesting here. He's not Clint Barton, but he's kind of interesting. <laughs> you know, like, oh, okay, he's married to can, the girl from that 70s show on a farm. And No, it was the girl from... Uh... Oh, no, it's Lindy Cardellini. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Why did I think it was Laura Prepon? Whatever. Anyway, this was fine. Let's rate it. Ratings. The War of the Realms, Journey to Mystery number one. Ratings, ratings, ratings out of five. Three and a half. Three and a half is fair. Are you going to stick with this miniseries? Maybe. If it's another week like this, yeah, I'll read it. (laughs) If If it's a 25 booker, maybe not. All right, so that's a Patreon pick, patreon.com slash ifanboy. You can go and vote to add a book to the rundown. But if you give it a $5 or higher level... Right here, live on the show, we will give you your own superpower. It could be useful. It could be dumb. It could be awesome. You never know. It's a grab bag. Wear it with pride. So let's give our first power to David Monroe. Everything David Monroe owns is in mint condition. (laughs) I'm kind of like that. Everything he owns. There's no wear and tear on his clothes, on his shoes, on his car. Everything he owns. I mean, some things, obviously, you got to break in, but they, they break in in a way that they keep their original luster. Luster. So everything, nothing. So inside owns. his car, does it smell like a new car? Always. Wow. That's delightful. What about, like, jeans? That's what I mean. Like, they kind of, they break in and get softer and, right. and uh, more comfortable, but it's not like they, they don't, like, fall apart. Right. There's no, there's no unwanted... Uh, threadbareness. No fraying. Like the thing is, unfortunately for him, he's never going to get those good like break-in lines. You know. What if he buys the ones that are that come like that? Well, then they stay like that. Okay. They stay, everything is as purchased. Let me ask you this: Does he need to replace guitar strings? <laughs> no. So, like wear and tear items, brake pads. Nothing breaks. Nothing wears down. <laughs> Rid of filters. Right. As new. I mean, there's an economic component to that, plus the resale value. Okay, here's a question. Mm-hmm. Say that he has some stuff he doesn't want it anymore, puts it on eBay. Does it retain its newness after it has left his presence? Or does it no, wear normal? No, it's, it's like a, a field around him. Uh-huh. So he could sell his... It's not like it, it, it's not like it ages rapidly like you know the end of Indiana Jones. You know? mm-hmm. It's just, you know, he has a car. He's had it for 20 years, but it's like brand new. He sells it to somebody. It's going to start having regular wear and tear with that new person. Right. But it's, it's not, not going to be... It doesn't suddenly age 40 years when he hands the keys okay. over. Okay. All right. Yeah. doesn't retroactively... No. Okay. That's good. That's good. It'd be mean. I mean, I mean, like, he's either a boon or, or destruction of the collector market. For sure. I mean, his comic collection is... Uh, yeah. It's, it's just need to hang on to these. Yeah. They'll be fine. Oliver Willis... Mm-hmm. He he uh, he he throws padlocks onto things. He just he he throws his hand out, and all of a sudden that thing is padlocked. Everything's padlocked. Can can he throw one around a person? Yeah, or you know, like it could be that, and then whenever you need to make that padlock work. So if he if he if he like sort of shoots his hand at at, at somebody, the chain wraps around as a padlock, or or like the bracket gets nailed into the door, he padlocks everything. And now is it like a? 
Is it a key lock or is it a combination lock? I was thinking about this and I didn't come up with an answer before you asked it to me. So what um, does your heart tell you? My heart tells me that it would make more sense that they were they were <laughs> that they were combination locks because at least you could have then, you know, deal with it without being like, well, where are the keys? Right. But I think that it's kind of random. And sometimes mm. there aren't keys for those things. They're not like super padlocks. You could break it with bolt cutters if you needed to. Right. So it's you know I'm not seeing a combination lock though, because I tend to think those are chintzier. Okay. I don't know what because they're the things on lockers. Right. Not like those good those good locks. Clunk and they make a satisfying sound. Padlocks. Right. Like like if he was walking by your car and he it's like a mutant power like it you know it, it emanates from him and uh, say, say for example he walked by David Monroe's car right. and he went like like that there would be like a little padlock that shut the door but then when it came off the car would be pristine. Cool. Padlocks everything. Bobby Baker. What were those people called who were like medieval balladeers who would sing about uh, the day's events? Were they balladeers? When you when you said balladeer, you knocked it out of my. I was going to say troubadour. But that's not correct. Minstrels. Bobby Baker is a modern day one of those. And what okay. he has a lute <laughs> or, or a lyre. Any of the two. Are you sure he's not just in the Decembrists? <laughs> what he does is he sings contemporaneous songs about what's happening right now and it's the most beautifully constructed funny deep song about the events happening right now this is how history was recorded for a great deal of time during the crusades much of the history is was passed along to people uh by way of popular songs sung like this right and he does it while it's happening so somehow he can he can take what the events happening right now like uh like dark helmet said right now and make the most interesting, beautiful songs about them as they're happening. It always rhymes, beautiful melody. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a contemporaneous balladeer. You're really, I, what's really bothering me is that I can't remember the word. Mm-hmm. But when I Google it, the first two things that come up are both minstrel and troubadour. Bard. <laughs> what about a bard? Bard. He's a bard. That's a poet, though, isn't it? Sure. Chanson. That would be the French. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's useful. Well, the, the fact is, uh, the way we're going for this now is that Chris Waldron can identify anybody by just looking at their shoes. By only seeing their shoes. Yeah. Interesting. You know, so you would bring him into court, for example, mm-hmm. because uh, because they you know they, they, all they have left is there was a shoe at the at the crime scene. He could be like, oh, that's him. That's so and so. So they don't have to be wearing it. He just looks at the shoes. Yeah, he knows. He knows from the the, the style, the 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 wear on the shoe, the, all the telltale signs of shoe possession. Um, okay, he so tell. he just he looks at a shoe and knows who whose shoe it is. Yeah, I see. Or or for example, if you had like ten bathroom stalls lined up on, he could tell you who was in every one. Right. I see. So it works both ways. He can mm-hmm. look at a shoe as it's being worn until he's wearing it, but he can also look at it in the past or in and know who wore yeah. it in the past. He knows whose shoe that is. He's a he's like a he's a shoe shoe detective. Shoe savant detective. Yeah, he's a shoevant. Shoevant. <laughs> That's his name. His superhero name. The shoevant. The shoevant. 
there you go. Come on, that could make it into Wonder Twins. Those are superpowers. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Thanks to David, Oliver, Bobby, and Chris for being patrons. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can get them. I guess we have time for emails. Sure. Uh, I'll read the first one then. Okay. Eric F. of Brooklyn, New York, which I believe is in the house. Mm-hmm says, I recently read Batman New Gotham Volume 1 and 2 for the first time. I was surprised at how good it was despite being seemingly forgotten or at least never mentioned in any lists of great Batman stories. What struck me was how much fun it was and how different it was from the last decade of digging into the psychology or iconicness of Batman, main title, or the family stories, detective. Thank you for the footnotes. Do you think we'll get stories of crime and cops in Gotham and Batman again were we just lucky to get Deanie, Rucka, and Brubaker when we had them, and that kind of Batman Gotham isn't coming back? So, just you know, I looked it up because I didn't know. Batman New Gotham by one and two are collections of Rucka's detective run. Okay. With Sean Martin Burroughs' art, that run. That might be my favorite modern Batman run. Yeah, it's a great run. I mean, that era of Batman when Ruck and Brubaker were doing Detective and Batman, and, and then Deanie came along. It was a great post Dixon pre-Snyder era. Yeah. I mean, these questions are hard. Will we ever get something? Ever is a long time. They, yes. You know. It will cycle around again. I don't know when, but it I will. Mean, we, we've clearly been on a Snyder-inspired run for a while of a certain kind of Batman story. Mm-hmm. And eventually someone else will take over who wants to do something else. And I mean, Tom King is doing different kind of things in Snyder, but it's, it's in a similar vein. Mm-hmm. And you know, some, eventually someone will come along and they'll want to do a different kind of Batman story. And they'll want to focus more on the crimes and the street level stuff. Because that's what Rucka and Brubaker were. They did Gotham Central too. That's what they were interested in. Yeah. And for a while, Brubaker was on Batman. Yeah. Brubaker was doing Batman and Rucka was doing Detective at the same time. Yeah. Ugh. It was a great time. That, that directly followed a terrible time. Yeah, I it was Larry that. Hama. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And then after it, there was some time between that and Snyder. Which yeah, there was. Said, Judd Winnick came on and did a really long run, which was good. And I mean, yeah. a lot of people that did, it was the early 2000s. And it was a good time for Batman books. Yep. They're just very different stories than what they're doing now, as Eric noted. And it'll come around again eventually. What goes around can get identified by its shoes. Well, this is a similar question. Brad D. from Canada, at a recent panel... Denny O'Neill talked about his issue with modern comics. He talked about back when he was on the Bat Books, they would first come up with a story, and if they determined it would take 2,200 pages to write that story, then that's what they would do. Whereas today, the people creating a book first decide they want to write 2,200 pages, and then later try to find enough story to fill those pages. In other words, decompression. While he never mentioned any creator by name or book by name, I felt like he was talking about Tom King on Batman. Do you agree with Denny, specifically on Tom King on Batman? I've been thinking about this question since March 16th, 2019, at approximately 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Decompression didn't start with Tom King. No, no. Decompression could be popularly attributed to Warren Ellis, to Brian Bendis in the yeah. early 2000s. That was sort of the stylistic change. 15 years before Tom King. Yeah, and also, like, I feel like Bendis did that because he wanted actually the time to tell the story and really spend time with the characters and put in a lot of word balloons and things like that. And actually, Ellis almost did the opposite. But it was either way, they were, they were playing with time. Eh. I, I mean, in one way, I can see what he's saying is right, but also comics have to change. Danny O'Neill's a master. He is a legend. He is uh, He's wonderful. But 
comics aren't the same as they used to be, and there's a reason for it. And it's not necessarily just you know like lazy new writers or you know backward practices. It's just you know the era is that's different. How it is and the era before Daniel Neal is different than the era he did. And I th- also think that like if you're talking about Tom King, like I can totally see what you're talking about in some of his work. We were just talking about that with Batman. Yeah. But I also think that that is the writer creator working within a system that exists. Like he's doing what he's told. It's work for hire. It's, you know, and I would put this more on DC editorial and then also the market forces of, you know, you got to put them out in six issue chunks or, you know, whatever. And we, we've talked about this. So they don't do two, three issue stories anymore. Right. Well, they do sometimes and they, more than. Right. But, but not nearly as, as often. Like it used to be that arcs six issue arc would be a really big deal in the past. Yeah. Like that was very, that was very uncommon before this century. It's better now because uh, the only thing I can say that's positive about the double shipping is that a six issue arc was literally half of your year before. Mm-hmm. So if you yeah. didn't, didn't like a story in a particular book, you were, you were stuck in that story for literally half of your year. Whereas now it, it gets it, done in a quarter. So it's, you know, sometimes I feel like they make it longer now because they got it. They have to, I think some people put too much, Blank credit and blame on the creative team because ultimately, as you said, they're not in charge. I'm, I'm honestly, I think the double shipping really contributes to this effect way more than anything else. Like they've got to fill up so much space. So you've got a writer who has to come up with twice as much story in the same given time. Mm-hmm. That's hard. Yeah. Like it's not even about the amount of work, but it's the amount of creative input that you're at, you know, the ideas that you're asked to come out with. They have they have half the time to think of it as they used to. And they have only and 20, so, 20 pages of an issue as opposed to 22. That too. Feels like not a lot, but it's actually a big deal. I mean, it's like don't hate the player, hate the game. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is we don't know, you know, none of us are making the books at DC so, or Marvel. So we don't know what they're told or what the edicts are or we don't know if Tom King was set uh, fill six that, issues. You know, we don't know. We do know that there are edicts. Yeah, because they're not in charge. Right. Uh, like, like I know and have you know talked to plenty of people. You know, like well, they, they said we had to do this. Right. So you, we, what was the we just uh, what book just ended? Green Arrow. Right. Very good example of that. You know, you were given an assignment. They changed it. You know, do this. This is your goal. Accomplish that. You have this long to do it. Right. You know. That's this. You know, it's not always the same length of time or whatever. The editors are the bosses it. of the books and the creative yeah. team. They're the faces and the name and the talent, but they're not really in charge. And the executives are the bosses of the editors. Right. And the executive vice presidents at corporate, you know, Warner are the bosses of the executives of the, you know what I mean? Like it, it goes back. And obviously we've seen a lot of changes at DC and there's, you know, demands, there's, there's fear there. Just, I'm just talking about DC, but the same thing exists in its own form over at Marvel. It, you know, sure. it's a, it's a juggling act, man. And the casting directors and the costume designers decide how your characters look now. And Denny O'Neill didn't have to deal with any of that. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, but not nearly at the level that they are. No, now. N- not at all. Right. But also you couldn't take his books and compare them to what, Silver Age books were like because they're just totally different. They're different yeah. eras. All right, contact at ifanboy.com so you can write it to the email. Let's plug some shows. So last week, Paul Montgomery and I talked about Shazam. We reviewed it. It's right behind this show on the feed. Or is it? Or is it two shows behind? It's behind this show. Yeah. Somewhere back there. Yes. You can find it. We had a good time talking <laughs> about the movie. We had a good time watching the movie. Shazam! Exclamation point. Yes. 
So we got a lot coming at you. We thought we'd have a Hellboy show for you before the show, but we won't. Yeah, no, it will be right after, though. We'll put we'll put the Hellboy show out early in the week, I think. Um, we will talk about Hellboy uh, later in the week. It's a lot of shows in this April. Justice League versus the Fatal Five uh, will be out uh, later this week. Animation Braid Trust. Four shows in the space of eight days. Right. And then next week, kind of a big Marvel movie you might have heard of, Avengers Endgame. Mm. Uh, we're going to go see that. We're going to talk about that. It's somewhere in there I have to fit a Toxplode uh, before <laughs> the end of the month. I'm not going to make you any promises, but I'm going to do my best. Is your dog growling at the idea of Avengers Endgame? Uh, he's snoring. Oh. He just that's what he sounds like when he breathes. I so I mean you could you could attribute anger to it. I but, thought it was um, like editorializing. He's like mm. Well, he would be very upset if, for example, I were to turn to dust because that would affect his food intake. Only that reason. I mean, if we're being honest, my kids are much the same way. Head over to fanboy.com so you can find all these shows we just mentioned. This is a weird month of crazy shows. Yes. It won't be like this next month, thankfully. Why you got to be like this, April? After Avengers, it's like the next one is is the X-Men movie nobody wants to see. So that'll be She's fun. not right call. It's all bad. <laughs> so find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking Facebook.com slash iFanboy or follow us at iFanboy on Twitter or at iFanboyComics on Instagram. That's where we do the best of the week in panels feature as well. So you can check that out on Instagram. Individually, we are at J.A. Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram and at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram. If you like this show, this one you're listening to right here, you know what? I'm going to just say in aggregate. If you like the program, program the slate. in general, yeah. If you if you enjoy the property that is this, the the full length and breadth of content, then you should write a review, leave a star rating over on iTunes. And I say this genuinely. You should do this for other shows too. I always just just you know pick your favorite show, like look at that podcast that you listen to, you know, like every week. And have you written a review for that? Have you left a star rating for that? You should, you know. You, you know, you, you could you could you could up it. You could be a patron. You could do all that stuff. But do that at least. You know, as we said, sometimes, sometimes the books aren't great. We're a little grouchy on the show. It doesn't mean we don't love comics. It just means we're grouchy that week. Yeah. I don't even know if grouchy is the word. We're reaching. I know that much. Snoring somebody's, in the background and grouchiness. Yeah, somebody's grouchy. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. He's old and he has to be next to me all the time. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> tell folks about it. Tell your friends about it. Uh, there's this show I listen to, and in the background, first of all, they don't have any good comics to talk about, and then there's a snorting bulldog in the background, which, listen, I have a degree in audio and video. It's not professional. No, but what are you going to do? I, ex- I accept that. But we did learn not to eat cookies on Mike. We learned it a long <laughs> time ago, and we stuck with it, damn it. They were good cookies. They were I can I can I can picture them right now. Do you know what we're talking about? Have you been around long enough to experience that? Was that our second or third episode? Third, third episode, episode of the video show. And we entitled it Cookies. I don't remember why, but the idea was we would talk about comics and we would eat delicious cookies while we did it. And when we were we were immediately met uh, in our very <laughs> early days with a hail of complaints that eating cookies on Mike is disgusting. And they were right. Why anyone stuck around after that? It's... They were so right. It's the like, I hate that. I should have known better. And the fact that anybody did stick around after that means that you're amazing. We were wearing shorts and eating cookies with a microphone attached. I don't know what the fuck we were thinking. <laughs> We had three degrees in, in television production, and two of us had worked in television professionally, and still we did those things. Who the fuck knows? We did learn from our mistake, though. True. And not about the shorts. 
the shorts went on for longer than they should have. <laughs> and the, I mean, people out there think, well, what's wrong with wearing shorts? I'm just saying, if you look at a 15 year old image of yourself, wear it in your knees on a couch, you're going to go, oh, I didn't. I wish I hadn't done that. Listen, you nothing wrong with shorts. You just don't wear them on camera, especially if you're sitting. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. Sometimes yeah, I didn't wear standard. shoes. It was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> all right. There's your show. Till next week, I'm Connor. I'm Dave Mattingly. Who's the guy in New York? New York one guy? New York one. Pat Kiernan? No, the guy we always used to imitate. Oh, Wesley Dodds? Wesley Dodds. Wait. Wesley Dodds, New York one. I was about to say Dodson. Is it Do- Wesley Dodd? Was- I'm getting mixed up with the the comic book person or Dodson. Wesley Dodson. I think it's Wesley Dodds. Dodson. But I don't hear him saying his name. I'm Wesley Dodds. It doesn't work. No, that's not it. It's... L- Wow, we fucked it up. Yes. Who was that guy? Wesley Dodson? Nope. It's Dodds. It's D-O-D-D-S. I'm almost sure of it. D-O-D-D-S. Nope. That was the cut. Wesley Dodds is the Sandman. That's why. Okay, hold on. Wesley. New York 1. Wesley. Oh my God, is he? New York 1 anchors. Don. Lewis Doodley. Dodley. Lewis Dodley. Lewis Dodley. Lewis Dodley. Everyone, it was Lewis Dodley.